G'day, it's Sunday, I'm Scott Gibbons and this is On The Road. So if you're ready to be on the road, I'm ready to be on the road, let's get on the road together and we're going to learn all about caravans and motorhomes and maybe some camper trailers and tents and places to go and see. We're going to explore Australia together. This is going to be fun. If you're ready, fasten the seatbelt, we're on the road. Uh, G'day, it's Sunday, it's Scott Gibbons, and I promised you this year that we would go travelling. So where are we going to? We're going to the Bulu Shire. Now, it's the third largest shire in all of Queensland. and includes the towns of Thargaminda, Hungerford, Nakundra, and Cameron Corner. Now, you would have heard of Cameron Corner, of course. But Thargaminda is the hub of the Bulu Shire, and it lies on the Bulu River approximately a 1,000 k due west of Brisbane along the Adventure Way. It's going to be a good travel. So the Bulu Shire has a long and colourful history of explorers and pastoralists from the ill-fated Burke and Wills expedition. If you don't know about Burke and Wills, go and look it up. Google it. It is a, an amazing story. Sad story, but amazing story. One of those you know, quirky little endings. So, but you've got diverse outback. It's what you'd expect from the outback. You've got sand dunes, you've got big skies, you've got wide open spaces to what you don't expect is namely the expansive river and the lake system. So, so you've got terrific bird life and you've got a huge diversity of wildlife. So if you haven't been to the outback before, the Bulu Shire is a great place to start. It's a good drive, but it's a great place to start. Now the roads are pretty well maintained. The facilities, they, they're regarded as being great. And people, we said all the time, if you go to the outback, you're going to find friendly people and that's what you're going to get. And the scenery will blow your socks off. It's just amazing. So grab your gear, get ready, get your pencil out, grab your borrow, get a bit of chalk, whatever you want to do, and make some notes about the Bulu Shire because it's home to about 300 permanent residents. Just 300. <laughs> Third largest shire in Queensland. 300 residents. But you do get a few part-timers as well. Now, the traditional pastoral industries are all found around the Shire. There's sheep, cattle, sheep and cattle stations, so you've got both of them. You've got ringers and shearers and bush mechanics and the people who traditionally service their needs, like teachers and nurses and retailers, and it goes all the way through. But Thargaminda School, through the cooperation of the Council and Department of Education, now hosts distance education classes on the school grounds to enable the high school students to live closer to home rather than boarding. Isn't that clever? Isn't that good? So in remote towns such as Thargaminda, the posties play a special role because quite often they're the lifeline between the rural family and the supplier. So as the mail goes out each week, so does their food, their general supplies, and it all goes to the stations and the outlying areas. So all sorts of things are delivered, everything, every item such as aeroplane spare parts. So whatever's needed, it goes out on the mail run. Now the oil and the gas fields to the west of town, they're an important part of, of that economy. It's a number of businesses in the Bulu Shire have been developed to service the needs of those companies. Like many rural communities, health and safety are major, major issues affecting both the locals and the visitors. So again, it's the cooperation between the agencies that keeps the health services ticking along. So Thargaminda has a permanent health clinic. It's manned seven days a week, highly experienced nurses. And once a week, once a week, the Royal Flying Doctor Service, and if you're ever looking for a charity to support and you, you've got a four-wheel drive, you just support the Royal Flying Doctor Service because they fly into town once a week to host a patient clinic. Now, mostly... They provide GP services. However, regular specialist practitioners show up as well, so that's good. Now, prescriptions, 
they're either filled in Quilpy or Kanamala and they arrive via the postman. So if you're travelling to the area, make sure that you have your medications with you before you leave home. So get those sorted before you leave home. And council, well, they've provided the medical clinic and that's used once again, once a month, by the Royal Flying Doctors Service. So it's, it's just a terrific place to go to. But you've got visitor information centre, you've got a library, you've got town meeting room, you've got... A coffee shop, everything's there for you. So whatever you want to do. Now, the Explorer's Caravan Park, if you're going to stay somewhere, you've got a couple of choices. The Explorer's Caravan Park, it has accommodation for caravanners or campers, along with modern ensuite cabins and bunkhouse-style accommodation with wheelchair access. How good is that with wheelchair access? Now, the powered sites are set amongst rows of native shrubs and trees, and the unpowered sites, they're just a typical outback setting with fixed fireplaces, the park's AAA rated, that's good, it's a four-star park, and it offers a camp kitchen and gas and electric barbecues, modern amenities. It's a quiet van park. It's nice. You've got nice sites. It's environmentally friendly. It's got a green star rating, so that's the Explorer's Caravan Park. Now, you've got another one there, which is the Napanya, N-A-P-U-N-Y-A-H, the Napanya Caravan Park. It's an older-style caravan park, but it sits on the banks of the Bulu River, so that's got to be pretty, eh? That's got to be pretty. If you're sitting on the banks of the river, how good is that? It's situated about, oh, so close to Thurgaminda Township, and the park offers quiet van, tent and campsites for either caravanners or campers with powered or unpowered sites on a grassed area. So you've got it all. But the Bulu River Hotel and Motel and the Oasis Motel and the Lysis Restaurant, they're right in the heart of Thurgaminda Township, and... They're within a short walking distance of all the facilities that the town has to offer. So you've got one of those facilities, you're probably asking yourself now, well, you've got swimming, you've got golf, you've got tennis, you've got squash, you've got fishing, they've got everything there. So whatever you need, this is, a, this is going to be a great holiday for you. It's going to be fabulous. So there's things to see. You've got the Lee Historical House. You've got the Hydro Power Plant. Now, here's something interesting for you. This is a little bit of trivia. The Thurgaminda was the first town in Australia and the third in the world, first town in Australia, third in the world, to produce hydroelectric power for street lighting by using the water pressure from the Artesian Basin. So in 1891, 1891, <laughs> drilling commenced on the bore supply to the town with water. <clears throat> Pardon me, and in 1893, a good supply was struck at a depth of about 808 metres. So in the old terms, that was about 2,650 feet. And with the water coming to the bore at a temperature of 84 degrees Celsius, 84 degrees Celsius. So the old bore was the source of energy for Australia's first hydroelectric scheme when in 1898 Thurgaminda streetlights were powered by the means of generators coupled to the water turbine driven by the bore's natural water pressure. So how good's that? And that method was in operation until 1951 when the diesel generators were installed and now the town, of course, is connected to the grid system in 1988. So how good's that? Now, you will see the Cobb Co. crossing. So during the 1880s, uh, Thangaminda became the, the home for the Cobb Co. coaches, which serviced the, the districts of, of Hungerford and Wampa, Untu, Kyambra and Toompine. So the strip by the stagecoach to Cull or the trip to the stagecoach uh, by to Cullinulla, which was a distance of 150 miles, would take about five to six days. Five to six days, and that is if you had a good road. So the stone crossing was used up until 1929, 
when the current bridge was built. So then you've got so many things, you've got old cemeteries there, you've got new cemeteries there to go and have a look at. One of the things you might want to see is what's called conduit. So it's, it's from storm rain, the, the Great Artesian Basin and the river and the creek systems, they're important to the water elements in the region. So artist Frederick White created a sculpture which comprises a field of galvanised poles representing 4,700 bores that provide the only reliable source of water throughout much of inland Australia. Now there's 52 poles in the work and a number have chosen to represent the need to water all round. So the illusion of depth in the centre of the work signifies the average depth of an artesian bore which is about 500 metres. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But you've got everything out there that you would want. So there's, uh, the, you've got landscapes, you can go to the lakes in Hutchison or Tumaru and Lake Bindle, uh, Bindajolly. So it's all there, whatever you want to do. So if you want to see lakes, if you want wildlife, everything, it's going to be great. And if you want to do a walking circuit, you can do the walk around Lake Bindajolly. And that's about a 9.2 walk, about three hours roughly. So you skirt the edge of the lake uh, to return via the low grass-covered sand hill. So... Have a look for the water birds. There's an observation point there. It's located right on the edge of the lake. Now, a little word of caution. There's sections of the track that may be covered by water when the lake is full. So stay on the track, although if you're able to, because it, it's just important. You just stay on the track, otherwise we might not see you again. So <laughs> there you go. So you've got national parks out there. You've got the, the Karawinya National Park. That's huge. You'll enjoy that. You've got about 100,000 water birds there. So lots to see, lots to do, and you're going to enjoy that. Speaking of enjoying, we, we might as well have, if you're going to go out there, then you're going to be moving it because that's, that's a fair way to go, but you're going to enjoy it when you get there. So why don't we have a little bit of Johnny O'Keefe and we have Move Baby Move. So I know you love Johnny O'Keefe. We get the feedback from you saying, play more Johnny O'Keefe. Well, I'm happy to do that, but you'll love Move Baby Move. I remember ice skating to this when I was just a kid. So Move Baby Move, Johnny O'Keefe, here you go, and we'll be back with you in just a little while. Hey, it's Sunday. I'm Scott Gibbons. We're on the road together, and we've just been to the lovely Shire of Booloo. Okay, enjoy this. Shake, you shake me up, baby. There's only one thing that I wanna do. I wanna move and I groove with you. Yeah, move, baby, move. Get in the groove now, move, baby, move. Get in the groove now, move, baby, move. Get in the groove now. Keep it going, girl. You're looking so fine now. When you walk, you look so fine, yeah.
Oh yeah, move baby, move. That Johnny O'Keefe isn't he just terrific? I just, I still bop along to him. I still bop. In fact, I reckon we'll play another one later. I think we will. So reversing cameras. Have you got a reversing camera yet? Have you not got one? Um, consider because ARB uh, have got a whole range, as do Polaris gps.com.au so if you're looking at getting a reversing camera it's the safety and convenience is the important part the safety and convenience so if you've got a, a well positioned camera it'll provide visibility to the rear of your vehicle that might otherwise otherwise be obscured by vehicle design or cargo now many of them many of them started selling because people were concerned and rightly so people were concerned with kids in their driveway and they didn't want to back over them and that's a really really good thing to to not do you don't want to back over your kids so a reversing camera might just save somebody's life that's important but Focusing on that issue alone is good, but however, reversing cameras are a handy visual aid when you're backing into a tight parking spot, or you're launching your boat, you're hitching your trailer, you're driving off-road. It's just, or yeah, when you're hitching up your caravan, I know I use my reversing camera when I'm hitching up, and I, I painted or I put some, some bright yellow tape on the end of my tow ball, so I can see exactly when I'm getting close to it, and I can do it basically in one go every time because the camera is that good. So many older vehicles aren't fitted with it. So if you've got an older vehicle and you don't have a reversing camera, it's not the end of the world. You can go and buy one. You can go and buy one and have it done, and they're not that expensive. So things to consider, and the most important thing to consider, of course, is that it's good for you, but the quality of it, because you can buy... As we talk about often, you can buy Tom the Cheap gear that just isn't good enough. Works for day one, maybe day two. Get to day three, maybe it's another problem. So you've got to have something that's upgradable. And this is according to ARB. It's got to be upgradable and it should suit your vehicle. Now your monitor, there's a number of choices when it comes to selecting the monitor, including you can have a dedicated reversing camera screen or a replacement rear view mirror with an inbuilt monitor, or you can utilize an existing screen which is already fitted to your vehicle. Now that's good. Now a rear view mirror incorporating a high res monitor, that's a good solution. Good solution for a lot of drivers who don't want to necessarily clutter their cabin with an additional device. But the mirror is also an obvious location as it's where the driver automatically is trained to look when they're reversing. So that's a good thing to have. But a replacement mirror monitor might be not the right option if your vehicle is fitted with a mirror that has other sensors on it. So you might have other sensors on there for your lane departure warning or your automatic wipers. So make sure that you get a, a camera and a monitor that actually suits your vehicle. So it might be that you get an alternative screen. Now, if you've got a vehicle with a screen fitted to your vehicle, such as, a, say, a sat-nav, well, that might incorporate a dedicated input for a reversing camera already. So you might already have the input there just to plug your camera into. And that could be really, really good. 
and some of them some of them have got two inputs so you can have a reversing camera and maybe another camera that you can select another camera so you might want a camera up front so you can see you know when you're parking uh, forward that you can see because some of the bonnets are really really high aren't they you might want to put it up on your roof rack you might want to do many many things with it so the choice is where you can put that second camera that's up to you so you might want to put it on your roof rack or your canopy of your, of your ute or maybe as i said up the front so that's all good one of the things you've got to be aware of though is that any reversing camera fitted to a four-wheel drive needs to be needs to be robust because you're going to subject it to some pretty extreme conditions so a camera designed for fitment to a four-wheel drive should be waterproof uh, it should be dustproof, preferably, and you might want to write this one down, should have an, a rating called IP, IP68, IP68 rating. So that means it's probably excellently waterproof and dustproof. But in the, the next part that's really major is that the cables and your connectors need to be waterproof as well. So no good buying the good gear and then you buy Tom the cheap and you go out and get cheap connectors and cheap cables. No, <laughs> we want to get the good gear because it's a butte safety item and a really good comfort item too. And another thing to consider when you're having it installed, and, and I would suggest maybe you're going to use your auto electrician to install it, uh, maybe you can get an extra switch put on there so that you can turn on your reversing camera even when you're not reversing. So you can see traffic behind you uh, and that's a good thing to do. So you don't necessarily have to be in reverse to see what's coming up behind you. Good thing to do. Now, a camera's mounting arrangement is also important because it needs to be located where it's going to provide a good view to the rear of your vehicle, but also out of harm's way so it doesn't cop any damage. You don't <laughs> we don't want to copy any damage in your off-road condition. So a camera with a, a license plate mount that's often an ideal position to put it, especially on a four-wheel drive. Also, a camera with a wide-angle lens will provide the best view to the rear and the sides of your vehicle when reversing. So, say a 160-degree lens, that could be just ideal for you. And consider a camera with an adjustable bracket so you can angle it for your best view, depending upon what you're towing, because you might have uh, a different angle for your caravan that you do for your box trailer. So, clever thing. Now, a selectable multi-view camera will offer you the ultimate in rearward vision. So it allows the driver to choose between different viewing angles, such as your wide angle when you're backing down the driveway. So it's an undistorted rear view when backing into a tight parking spot. So an overhead view when lining up your tow ball with a, with a trailer and a side view providing split left and right images on the screen. Now, I've seen some of these with Polaris. So if you get to polarisgps.com.au, they'll have something like that for you, and so will ARB. So you're not hard to find this gear. This is not hard to find. You've just got to go out and get it done. So, you know, you work out when Father's Day is coming up, Mother's Day is coming up, when you want a present, a birthday, an anniversary, whatever it be, this could be a great gift for yourself. So consider a camera with a, a built-in microphone. So that allows you to hear any warnings or noises coming from behind the vehicle while you're reversing. So if you've got somebody else guiding you in, then you can hear them as well. Good thing to do. Now, you can get an upgradable one. For, if you're towing regularly, then make sure that your reversing camera you select is upgradable with a secondary input, as we were talking about. So you can have your reversing trailer onto your trailer as well as your caravan. So that, good thing to do. Good thing to do. So ARB... They've got reversing cameras, as I mentioned, and polarisgps.com.au. So you can get multi-view cameras. Uh, you can get good dash-mounted screens. 
you can get an auxiliary infrared camera. Now, this is something you might want to consider because if you're reversing at night, you have got your, your rear view um, or your rear, your rear lights. You know, when you go into your reversing lights, you've got those. But you might want to have uh, a really good infrared camera set up, and that should provide about 10 metres of vision, even in dark conditions. So the auxiliary camera we mentioned, your trailer camera kit, you can have that, and your reversing camera monitor. So all those things, it's, it's real easy. If you just go into ARB and talk to them about it, they'll sort you out. Or as I say, give polarisgps.com.au a call and they will sort that out for you as well. Hey, I reckon we might have another Johnny O'Keefe and it's just going to be a Johnny O'Keefe day, I reckon. Mockingbird, if you haven't heard this for a while, I reckon this one's going to get you singing along, bopping along. You might have a hum on this one all week. So it's Mockingbird, Johnny O'Keefe. You enjoy that and don't forget to get yourself a reversing camera if you haven't already got one. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. It's Sunday. You're on the road with me. I'm on the road with you. Let's have a good time together. Okay, let's listen to Johnny O'Keefe, Mockingbird. Isn't that great? I just love, I cannot hear that song without, and there's so many songs like that. I hear them and I just sing them all day. One of those songs. So if, if I've given you a little song to sing all day, 
Good on me. That's great. <laughs> so it's Scott Gibbons here at Sunday. We're on the road and we're playing some music for you. Plus, we're doing our On the Road show, which is all about caravans and motorhomes and places to see and things to do. I saw recently we're in, in the US, US dollars, US dollars. Somebody's had a motorhome built, a motorhome, uh, and it cost two million US dollars. <laughs> two million. But there you go. If you got it, hey, use it. If you got it, use it. Now, if you've got an RV, if you've got your caravan, then what you've got to do is maintain it. You do have to maintain it. You can't just pop it there, leave it out in the weather and expect everything's going to be just going to be fine. You've got to maintain it. So it's the same as you maintain your car or your truck or your, your SUV, whatever you've got, your four-wheel drive. So you've got to do things. So if you've got a, a, an RV and it's been more than a few months since you've used it, then you've got to get it out. So make sure that you do use it. So the average cost of, of an RV is climbing up. And they, they, you know, sometimes you can spend as much money like the, like the man that just spent $2 million uh, they can cost a lot of money, you know, a lot. So here's some maintenance tips for you to make sure that you do look after it. Now, if you can, if you can, and not all of us can, and I certainly can't, uh, I, I don't keep mine undercover, but if you can keep it undercover, by golly, it makes a lot of difference because the materials, some of the materials in them are susceptible to the sun and environmental damage. So that can create problems that often go unseen because we simply don't get, well, we don't go up on the roof, do we, to have a look regularly. We just don't. If it's out of sight, it's out of mind. If it's not leaking, it's got to be good. But that philosophy can cost you big time. So replacing and repairing a, an RV roof can cost you a lot of money. So one of the best things you, you can do is to store it under a carport or even under a traditional RV cover. So caravan covers, things like that. So there's there's pretty good things that you can find. So if you can put it under cover, then do it. So that's one thing. So if you're a full-timer, then obviously you're out on the road all the time and that's beautiful. The other thing you've got to do, if you've got a generator, and I've been guilty of this, if you've got a generator, don't let your generator sit unused for too long. Now, I haven't used my generator for, oh, I guess two, maybe three years. So even though I haven't used it, I'm going to have to put it in to get it serviced before I use it. Because if you if you leave it sitting too long, uh, then you, you can, well, for instance, the fuel, the fuel, fuel that you put in there, the petrol and whatnot that you put into your generator, that's truly got a shelf life of about 30 days, round figures. And after that time, it starts to break down and it can damage the internal components. So you have to keep it flowing, if you like. You've got to keep the, the keep it flowing so you know that things are good. So it's recommended that you run your generator for about an hour to two hours a month at around about 50% load, and that'll keep it primed and ready. Now, if you don't do it, your carburetor can be varnished, so it can prevent fuel from effectively powering the generator. So, And there's, there's no reasonable way to clean it you might end up having to <laughs> replace it, which is costly. And this little bunny here talking to you now, I might have to replace mine. Now, I haven't used it that much. I really haven't used it that much. And I love it, but that's one of the things. I thought, oh, no, I'll just keep it there. But no, even the fuel in it will have varnished it up. So, yeah, it's got to go in and get serviced. So number three is, is watch your window and your door and your roof seal. So a common problem with RVs is moisture 
leaking into the vehicle through faulty weather stripping in seals. So seals naturally degrade over time and some brands, some brands are notorious for having bad seals. So when seals start to break down, they allow water to seep in and that can damage the surfaces and can promote mould. So you've got to check your seals around the windows and the doors every three months and sure a snug fit, they haven't deteriorated. And it doesn't hurt to check your roof seals every six months if you can. Now, don't go being silly and dangerous. Take it to take it to the workshop and get them to do it for you. So every six months or so, that's a good idea to do. And then keep an eye out for any cracks or loose pieces or water stains or even small cracks. Small cracks can allow water to get in. So some RVs, periodically, they'll have those items removed and resealed just to be sure. So number four. Open the vents. Good idea. So not all RV maintenance needs to be um, using hard-earned dollars. This one's pretty simple. So during times when your RV just sits unused over the summer, uh, then your temperature, like if you're not using it, you know, if you're doing other things, if you're just going to the beach and whatnot, you're not using your van, then the, the temperature inside it, just when you've got it sitting in your yard or whatever, that can go over 50 degrees Celsius, over 50 degrees, depending upon your location. And that kind of heat, that can cause even the best materials to break down and fail over time. So your wall coverings, your seals, your seams, your flooring, they start to slowly deteriorate. And sooner or later, that's going to cause your headache with major repairs. So keep some of your RV vents open if you can, open if you can, so it promotes an airflow through the vehicle, keeps it that little bit cooler, keeps the temperature down a bit, and make sure that your exterior vents are covered to avoid rainwater, of course, making its way through and other things, spiders and whatever, so, you know, do it the right way, but try and get some breeze through your van, and that will improve the lifespan of everything that you've got. Number five, of course, is to lubricate. If you've got slide-outs, if you've got slide-outs, and not all of us do, uh, I don't, but if you've got slide-outs, then you've, you've got to make sure that you lubricate your slide rails because if you don't, uh, that can be a real new... It's a sign your slide rails do need to have some TLC, some tender loving care. So if you don't use them and they don't get the proper lubrication, then they can rust, they can corrode. So it's recommended you use your rails at least and lubricate your rails at least once or twice a year at least once or twice a year. You can get lubricant spray, and that's only about $15, so that's a lot cheaper to use than having to get <laughs> your slides all fixed. Number six is keep your tyres in good condition. We constantly talk about tyres, don't we? We constantly talk about tyres, but you've got to keep them clean, protected, and covered. So when they're in storage, because when, when you park your van or you park your motorhome, you park your trailer, whatever, You've got all the weight going onto that one portion of the tyre, and if you don't give your tyres some rotation, then you know they can crack, and and you don't want that because the sun's UV rays they can get to deteriorate your tyres pretty quickly, and that, that means you've got to replace them. If you've got to replace them, it's a lot of money just to replace them. You've got to tow your vehicle when you're not even getting a holiday out of it. So after cleaning your tyres, treat them with a UV protectant. So if you can, that's a beaut thing to do. And then number seven, of course is document all of your maintenance. So whatever you get done, whatever you do, keep track of and document everything you do so that if you're selling it, you've got the history of it. But you can also say, no, I did this three months ago, I did that three months ago, I did that two weeks ago, and everything's fine. So you can keep track of everything. I think that's a pretty sensible thing to do. Pretty sensible. 
And another sensible thing to do is if you're getting a new van, then you you should talk to Sunland Caravans. Sunland Caravans are really good people. Now, they're up in Queensland. They're in Caboolture. And you can give them a call. If you want to give them a ring, you go to 0754992250. 0754992250. They're on Facebook. You can email them if you want to. Sunlandcaravans.com.au is their website. Sunland, S-U-N-L-A-N-D, caravans, with an S, caravans.com.au. Now, they make, they actually make, they're really good people. So they make their vans in Caboolture, and they've been doing it for about 15 years. And, and I think if you add it all up, their, their caravans have been tested more than a million kilometres of off-road testing. And they reckon they've gone to every corner of Australia. So they can confidently promise you the lightest, strongest, most comfortable and well-designed off-road van on the market. That's what they say. And I've been through their factory. I've met Roy Wiss. He is a top fellow. In fact, I'll probably be coming down to the Sydney show. So if they're coming down there, you go and say good day to Roy. But uh, they're built to last. These are really good. So they give a five-year manufacturer's warranty combined with an incredible... Oh, this is incredible. They give you a 20-year chassis warranty, which... Really, I mean, that, that says so much, doesn't it? So that's how confident they are in their manufacturing process. And they've just brought out a new range as well. They've got what they call the 2020 Mini range. So they're mini caravans. So they've got a 10-foot Sunland Mini. They've got an 11-foot Sunland Bluey. And, and so you've, you know, you've got an opportunity. You don't have to have the big vans, but in 2018, it was classed as the best Aussie van as judged by the experts from Caravan World. So that's good. They'll show you how they build their vans. Sunland um, owner, Roy Riss, he, he, he is really good. He will tell you all about it. But as I say, I've met Roy. I've been through the factory. I've seen how they build things. I've done some film shoots up there with him over the years. They are really good people. And they've got a, a butte flagship model. You used to probably know it as the Patriot. The Patriot, really good. I've still got the Patriot cap. I got a cap with Patriot on it and the Aussie flag. And it won the the winner of the 2018 Alco Best Aussie Van, but it's now called the Phoenix. P-H-O-E-N-I-X, the Phoenix. So it comes in a variety of lengths and configurations and it is their most awarded off-road caravan. So it's the first caravan that was built at Sunland. It's still being manufactured at the same factory today. It's an incredible caravan. It's been designed. So if you want to find out more, then you just go to sunlandcaravans.com.au. Sunlandcaravans.com.au. They will manufacture. They will help you design the van that you want. And they are really, and I'm telling you, because I know them, they are really nice people. Sunlandcaravans.com.au. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. It's Sunday. It's a fabulous time to be listening. Fabulous time to be with you. We love it. And I reckon we might just have a bit of a song. What do you reckon? We might have a bit of a song. I reckon we might have... Oh, if we're talking about Roy West, we're talking about the Phoenix, we're going all the way around Australia. Why don't we have a little bit of Australiana with Ostentatious? I reckon that'll be funny. If you haven't heard this in a while, you're going to laugh. I bet you laugh. It's Ostentatious Australiana. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. It's Sunday. Love being on the road with you. We'll be back with you real soon. You enjoy Ostentatious. Sitting at home last Sunday morning, me mate Boomerang said he was having a few people round for a barbie. Said he might cook a burrow or two. I said, sounds great, will Wallaby there? He said, yeah, and Veggie might come too. So I said to the wife, you want to go, Anna? She said, I'll go if Dingo's. 
So I said to Ben, what do we do about Nulla? He said, Nulla bores me to tears, leave him at home. We got to the party at about two, walked straight out the kitchen to put some booze in the fridge, and you wouldn't believe it, there's Boomer's wife, Wara, sitting there trying to platter puss. <laughs> now, I don't like to speak ill of Wara. But I was shocked, I mean, how much can a koala bear? So I grabbed a beer, flashed my wanger at her, and headed out to join the party. Pretty soon, airs rocks in, and things really started jumping. This Indian girl, Masu, turns up, dying to go to the toilet, but she couldn't find it. I said to me, mate, Al, hey, where can Masu <laughs> He said, she can go out back with a fella, she's probably seen a <laughs> Well, just then, Wara comes out of the kitchen with a few drinks for everybody. Fair dinkum, you've never seen a cooler bar, mate. I grabbed a beer and said, thanks, Wara, ta. A couple of Queensland at the party, one smelling pretty strongly of aftershave. He sat down next to me, I turned to him, I said, you know, mate, you reek of stockade. <laughs> it was a really hot day. Oscar felt like a swim. He said to Weena, you want to have a dip in the river, Weena? She said, I haven't got my cosy, Oscar. <laughs> well, both says, come in stark as what a lake hair. <laughs> Ina says, what, without so much as a thread, Bo? Ah, perish your thought. As you can be in yet? Well, a few of the blokes decided to play some cricket. Boomer said, why doesn't Wombat? Yeah, and let ten field. And he said, I should have a bowl, but I was too out of it to play cricket, so I suggested a game of cards. I said, Eliptus, you want a game of Eucalyptus? He said, there's no point, mate. Dar wins every time. Well, Bill said he'd like a smoke. Due to broadcasting and programming regulations, certain scenes have been edited from this material. The producers apologize for any apparent lack of continuity in our story. Maybe it'll have to. I look in the corner and there's Bass sitting there, not getting into it, not getting out of it. I said, what, is Bass straight or something? Boomer said, as a matter of fact, mate, he's a cop. I said, you're joking, mate, a cop? I'm getting out of here, let's go, Anna. She said, no way, I'm hanging around all gum leaves. <laughs> Besides, I don't want to leave Jack around a party on his own. Have you seen him? I think he's trying to crack on to Woomba. He's already tried to <laughs> And he'll definitely try to lead you, Australiana. <laughs> Thank you, and good night! G'day, it's Scott Gibbons, you're on the road and it's so much fun being with you and more fun even <laughs> finding new products for you. So Dometic have got a new fridge out, it's called the VMSO which is variable speed cooling technology, it's got a variable speed compressor so it's just fabulous, it's got software in there which means that you get superior cooling, superior freezing and it's very energy efficient, meaning you can travel and enjoy any outdoor adventure without the unnecessary stress of your food and drink spoiling. So it's got plenty of storage. You can pack more into your fridge. You can load up your vehicle and know that you can travel wherever you want with plenty of fresh food and drinks on hand. Now, it's got a very robust nature is what Dometic is saying. It's very robust. It's got The new range can travel anywhere without you having to worry about the durability 
of the CFX3. It's built with a rugged EXO frame, it's a strong cast aluminium handles it has too, and it makes it especially ideal when driving through harsh outdoor environments and corrugated roads. So you'll be able to explore destinations such as Cape York and still be able to finish the day with your chilled food and drinks. Now similar to the predecessor, you can set and monitor the temperature of your CFX3 from your front seat. However, the upgraded CFX3 app is both Bluetooth and Wi-Fi compatible, giving you flexibility in ways to control your CFX3. So this added convenience allows you to control your CFX3 at your fingertips. So instead of jumping out of the car and into the back seat or the boot of your four-wheel drive, the new app maintains a detailed history of the unit's energy and temperature makes it ideal for monitoring the performance of the unit. The most important part to remember though is don't use the app if you're driving. Have somebody else do it for you. Don't you do it when you're driving because you can copper fine. Now this is terrific. It's got the world's first built-in ice maker. So you don't have to stop for ice anymore. You can make it yourself. The CFX3 55IM has a unique function. <laughs> it's the first of its kind in the market. Now, the single zone fridge freezer has an independently controlled rapid freeze plate with two custom silicon ice trays. So when it's turned on, the compressor supercools the plate to make it ice while maintaining a refrigerator temperature for the rest of the cooler. So that you just fill the ice trays, secure the snap-on fit lid, and you have ice ready for your drinks by the time you reach your destination. How good is that? And of course we know that Dometic are major, and, and on their magazine, uh, they've got an e-magazine, They've got the bucket list beaches, so remote beaches not to miss. And number one on their list is Squeaky Beach in Wilson's Promontory in Victoria. So you just head south from Melbourne for about two hours and you'll find Squeaky Beach, <laughs> squeaky beach at Wilson's Prom and the sand's so pure that it squeaks as you walk on it. So the beach is surrounded by beautiful views of the granite-studded headlands and distant islands. Number two is our Monta Beach, Coffin Bay, South Australia. It's located in the Coffin Bay National Park. It's about 50k west of Port Lincoln. 50k west of Port Lincoln. So the beach is frequented by the local kangaroos, but not many other souls around there. It's surrounded by cliffs. There's stunning views across the picturesque bay, and there's plenty to explore there. Number three is Agnes Waters in Queensland. It's where the surf begins to dwindle as you head north. It's known well by the locals. Agnes Waters, it's halfway between Bundaberg and Gladstone, and many people don't have a clue that this region's waiting to be explored. So there you go, Agnes Waters in Queensland. Number four, friendly beaches in Tasmania. So again, squeaky white silicon sand, crystal clear water, views that stretch forever, friendly beaches, it's far less known than the famous Wine Glass Bay, but it's not one to miss. If you go to Tasmania, friendly beaches, there's where you've got to go. And number five, oh, I've been here, Cape Levique in Western Australia. I'm telling you, Cape Levique, L-E-V-E-Q-U-E in -E -E Western Australia. If you want somewhere that's far away from the big smokers you can get, it's about 220k north of Broome on the northern tip of the Dampier Peninsula. You can stay here at the, the Coolidjarman Wilderness Camp. It's authentic. It's beautiful. I just, I've never seen anything. Oh, Broome is magic. Broome, love Broome. So you get to Broome and then you, you drive about 220k 
north. It's fantastic. The colour, the rich red colour. And then the red colour rounds itself down into the blonde sand. So you have this red roan meeting the blonde. And then the blonde stretches down into the white and blue beautiful water that comes in. I'm telling you. Oh yeah, Cape Levick. Go there straight away. It's just, but pick the season. Pick the season. <laughs> that's that's one of the things you've got to do. Now there is, <clears throat> pardon me. There is some tech support that you can get from Dometic as well. So they've they've put down what is the ideal air conditioning temperature. Well, the air conditioning temperature felt by the human body may differ from the actual measured air temperature. So the thermal sensation ranges from warm or hot through comfortable to cold, and when humidity is low, we tolerate hot air temperatures, even though we sweat. So dry heat makes the sweat evaporate quickly from the skin and creates a cooling effect. So when humidity is high, transpiration diminishes, and with it, the cooling effect. So as a result, we feel the heat even more. So cooling alone isn't enough. It's necessary to reduce the humidity to get a comfortable climate at around about 26 degrees, they say. So about 26 degrees. Now, here's something important. How can you best maintain your rooftop air conditioner for better performance? So this is for your RV, of course. So you've got to regularly remove your leaves and other dirt from the ventilation grills of your roof, uh, from your roof air conditioner, that is, and make sure you don't get or you don't damage your grills in the process. Now, you clean the housing of the roof air conditioner in the air outlet unit occasionally with a damp cloth. You clean your remote control with a slightly damp cloth from time to time. And they recommend using a cleaning cloth, which you'd use for reading glasses to clean the display. Very, very clever, that. And check with the condensation water drainage channels at the sides of your roof air conditioner are clear and the condensation water is able to escape. Now, you've got to clean the filter of the air discharge unit and once a year, check the profile seals. Now, you're best to get that checked by a qualified a qualified person and once a year have the heat exchanger serviced and again that's carried out by a qualified personnel as well and check the fastening bolt tightness which is carried out again by a qualified person and and you can do that easily through a, a Dometic service center so now if you want to optimize the performance of your rooftop air conditioner then the, you improve the heat insulation of your vehicle by sealing the gaps hanging curtains in your window. So you seal the gaps and hang curtains in windows. If the vehicle has been subjected to direct sunlight for a long time, then operate the roof air conditioner in the ventilation mode with the windows open for a while before switching on the cooling and the air conditioning mode. Avoid opening the doors and windows as far as possible uh, because if you've got your heating and cooling on, then you've got to just keep it con compact, keep it already in there and make sure that the air nozzles and the intake grill are not covered by clothes or paper or other objects. So there you go, there's something for you. So what about RV Daily if telling us about a new product called the BM Pro Smart Sense? And what it does, it promises to take all the guesswork out of how much gas is left in your gas bottle. And you know, you know what it's like. You're halfway through cooking a barbie or cooking some snags and doing some things, and then you run out of gas because we can't see through the bottle. Well, the new BM Pro Smart Sense does it for you. So it's lightweight, it's self-contained, it's battery battery powered, and it and it connects via Bluetooth to the BM Pro Smart app. So you can see the levels that are in your gas bottle on your mobile phone. So it sends it through. So it's an app. 
and you can see how much gas is in there. So the unit has a, a sensor pad, which has got magnetic super, super magnets, they call them, and so it just goes to the base of the bottle, and it was tested by RV Daily both on uh, at home and for RV use, but they tested it on road. However, BM Pro say that it can handle the toughest of corrugations, and that's pretty good. So you can choose between the 3.7 litre bottle or the 8.5 kilogram bottle, sorry, 3.7 kilogram bottle or the 8.5 kilogram bottle, which is really the 4 kilogram or 9 kilogram, but because of Australian standards, they can't fill it up properly. So you can choose whether the gash is measured, measured as a percentage or in centimetres. So you just sort it out and, and it's going to be fabulous for you. So if you want multiple sensors because you've got different bottles and you can have them and they'll all go through to the smart app for you. So that's for your caravan or your gas bottle at home, whatever you want. So that's terrific. So the batteries last for about a year or two and depending upon the temperature, because they last longer in the warmer weather, they last longer. So if you're doing all the summer work, then you might get two years out of them. They're worth $89.95. And you can find out more about them if you go to Team bmpro.com that's team t-e-a-m bmpro.com so that's something good for you you're not going to run out of gas anymore if you get one of those i think that's a good idea now rv daily also tell us about the nundal go for gold festival that's coming on it's the chinese easter festival it's on april 11 to april 12 this year 2020 and it, it sounds like it's going to be a blast. It's going to be fabulous. So you can celebrate the gold mining heritage of the town of Nundal. Nundal's pretty. It's a great place. Make sure you go to the woolen mill there because it's really, really good. Um, so you've got the Chinese and the European miners. They built the town back in around the, the middle 1800s. So there's live music, there's golf panning, there's markets. You've got food, produce, craft. The kids are going to be happy because there's a jumping castle there and a magician and story time and face painting and uh, they're going to have the big lion there. Obviously, if it's a Chinese festival, you're going to have the big lion, you're going to have the dragons. And if you want to, you can even go into the contest to pen for gold and maybe win $1,000 worth of nuggets. So if you want some more info there, then you just go to Nundal, that's N for November, UN again for November DLE Nundle.com.au Nundle.com.au It's close to Tamworth. It's close to Tamworth. And they're going to have live music acts daily. There's going to be a host of acts, including uh, John Crisulia, who just won a golden guitar. There's Brendan Naraki going to be there, Logan Haswell, Tony Kennelly. Uh, David Way, Eva Timmers, uh, the Gomeroy Dance Company is going to be there. Of course, they've got buskers. And there's about somewhere near 100 market stalls that's going to be there. So you've got all the food, all the vegetables, all the plants, the jewellery, the toys, the bric-a-brac, whatever you want. So that's April 11 to 12, 2020, and nundle.com.au, nundle.com.au. And that's the, the Nundle Go for Gold Chinese Easter Festival. I think that sounds fabulous. If you haven't been to Nundle, you'll really enjoy it because, as I say, it's so close to Tamworth. And you can go up and get your photo taken with the big golden guitar there. And, of course, spend some money in Tamworth and do some things. But that sounds like a great weekend. You enjoy yourselves. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. We're on the road. It's Sunday. I'll be back with you real soon. A little garden path 
where we cried and laughed An old swinging gate that never used to latch Two loving arms when your knee was scratched Home We had a big backyard Football games were hard No matter how we tried Someone always cried Things were going fine Till we broke the clothesline At home Standing proud and tall Now it looks so small my world was in that street I thought I had it all And now this photograph Has got me yearning for Home Home I'd work with Dad On everything He'd whistle tunes And I would sing When that old man truck came We all signed our names At home Standing proud and tall And now it looks so small My world was in that street I thought I had it all this photograph has got me yearning for home, home. Got a teenage son and a little girl And a wife I love More than this whole world We build our dreams With love and memories Of home Standing proud and tall and Even though it's small Our world is in this street with them I have it all And now when I'm away I yearn every day For home 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 G'day, it's Scott Gibbons, it's Sunday and it's great to be with you. I mean, when I say great, I'm talking about great. It is great to be with you because there are so many things we've got to cover today. Now, 
one of the items, which was in Unsealed 4x4, written by Wes Whitworth, it talks about one of the cheapest parts, the cheapest component, possibly the cheapest component of your four-wheel drive, and yet, without it, or if you do something wrong with it, it can just destroy your four-wheel drive. What are we talking about? We're talking about the simple fuse. Your simple, simple fuse. You buy them anywhere, they cost nearly nothing, but if you do it the wrong way, then you've got a problem. So what he says is he talks about the little simple thing. You might just swap your, your fuse and you put the wrong one in because they all fit the same hole, don't they? They all fit the same hole, basically. And so, but if you put in the wrong one that's too strong, then you're going to have a problem. And one of the other problems he talks about is that if you happen to decide to wire in an accessory incorrectly and you don't include, include a, a fuse in it, then your four-wheel drive can burn to the ground. And there's a 95% chance, according to him, a 95% chance that the insurance assessor will work out how the fire started. And from there, the assessor will work out that you've installed the wiring or an accessory without a fuse, and that by your ignorance or, or as he says, stupidity, your expensive four-wheel drive is now a burnt-out mess. So they'll either write you off or settle at a reduced claim. So it's directly, because they say it's directly the owner's negligence. So that's something to be very, very aware of. So what he also says is the first thing you need to understand is how the electrics in your four-wheel drive, which is a 12-volt, how it actually works. So when your engine's running, it's also turning the alternator, and this generates the AC power. Now, there's positives, there's negatives, there's all the things, but you've got to be aware of what's going to happen. So what's causing the electrical fire as well? If you look at what causes, in a nutshell, he says, it's contacting uh, of positive and negative without an appropriate load on it will create a short circuit. So he says, think of your average halogen or incandescent light bulb. The positive attaches to one side, the negative attaches to the other. And if there wasn't a resistance, which is your load on your circuit, everything would melt. So that's what you've got to be aware of. So the thing he says is, as an example, say you've got a 25 amp wire and a 20 amp fuse, that's perfect because the 20 amp fuse will blow before the 25 amp wire starts to burn. Very, very good. So when a fuse blows, then the burn is contained within that bit of plastic or a little bit of glass, whatever it be, but it can burn in like microseconds. So there's no time for anything to get hot all over the place. It's just done. You've blown your fuse and everything's fine. So then you get to change your fuse and see if it happens again. So, but what he says is you'd be surprised how many folks start wiring things up and they forget to put a fuse on the main power wire. So if you're going to rewire your fridge or your 12 volt oven and you, and you just, you take your Siggy plug and you're gonna, you're gonna swap that straight into an Anderson plug, well something he says that you might not know is that the Siggy plug that you're cutting off has a round glass fuse inside it. Sometimes they're plastic, but they, they work the same way. So just by cutting it off, you've removed the fuse from that line. So the next thing to think about is that the Siggy socket you're plugging it into also has a fuse at the fuse box if it's a factory socket. Now, if you run a 50 amp wire directly from your battery to your Anderson plug, you've just remo removed the factory fuse too. So now you've got a lead from your battery going straight to your fridge with no fuses. So, hey, 
if that all sounds confusing, I understand, but best, best, always just go to your auto electrician, let them do the work, unless you really know what you're doing. And that's, that's something for you to consider. So, hey, it's Sunday. Let's have a little bit of music. I reckon we should get on the road. What about a little bit of Frankie Davidson? If you haven't been to see King's Cross, I, that's an oldie from, from, gee, how long ago was that? Frankie Davidson, when he sang that, have you ever been to see King's Cross? By golly, he did it on TV and then it just took off. What a beauty. Okay, you enjoy that. We'll be back with you in just a minute. This is Scott Gibbons. You're on the road. Like I say, you've been around That you see the sights of Paris Or the heart of London town You might say a night in Soho Would be mighty hard to toss But let me tell you, boy, that you just ain't lived Until you've seen King's Cross Have you ever been to see King's Cross? Where Sydney ciders meet There's a million faces going places Walking up and down the street Quite tourists everywhere In their travels do declare I've seen the world, you can hear them crying I'll bet you a tenner to a con man's why You won't have seen the lot until the day you die If you haven't been to see King's Cross Now let's take the eating houses That you find along the way You might like to dine with a glass of wine Or a service shrimp Mornay Or you can try a spot down under You can have three course for a sack And you can write your will as you pay the bill Just in case you don't get back Have you ever been to see King's Cross? There's a million faces going places, walking up and down the street. White tourists everywhere in their troubles do declare. I've seen the world, you can hear them crying. I'll bet you a dinner to a con man's why. You won't have seen the lot until the day you die. Have you haven't been to see King's Cross? of spots to see and you'd like to spend some dough so you tell the taxi driver just where you'd like to go you might do a tour of sydney when in fact it's on the cars that the place you sought when you climbed aboard is up the road a hundred yards and you have a cross where sydney ciders meet there's a million faces going places walking up and down the street white tourists everywhere in their travels do declare I've seen the world, you can hear them crying I'll bet you a dinner to a con man's why You won't have seen the lot until the day you die If you haven't been to see King's Cross So if you're a weary traveller And you think you've seen the lot Well take my tip and make the trip While the money you've still got And in later conversation You'll never be at loss Cos you can tell them all that you had a ball When you went to see King's Cross Have you ever been to see King's Cross Where Sydney ciders meet There's a million faces going places Walking up and down the street White tourists everywhere In their travels do declare I've seen the world, you can hear them crying I'll bet you a dinner to a con man's why You won't have seen the lot until the day you die If you haven't been to see King's Cross No, you won't have seen the lot until the day you die If you haven't been to see King's Cross No, you won't have seen the lot until the day you die Thanks so much for listening in to On The Road. Hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have, then listen in again next Sunday between 1 and 2 and tell your friends to listen in. And the sponsors, you look after our sponsors because those sponsors are the ones that bring you the show. I'm Scott Gibbons. I'll see you next week between 1 and 2. 89.9 Hawkesbury Gold, the best in the West, between 1 and 2 every Sunday. We'll see you next week on the road. (laughs) 